0: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah we got him screaming D-Lo KC
3: Casey lo KC d KC d we got him screaming D-Lo KC D-Lo KC D-Lo we number one spot. We a number one spot for some sports, huh? Got the city going crazy when we work, huh? We top two, but we ain't two. We in first, huh? And when you need the real, we is who you search on. Huh? lo K-C. KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, We your number one spot.
4: Yes, indeed, y'all know what it is. horn fly. Come on, man. What's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome in here to the. Tuesday, February 6th edition of Dealing with KC. I'm Damian Borling. The ultimate needle mover in
0: God mode himself.
4: No, Kenny Caraway. Acknowledge me. That's what I want everybody to do. We all got a quick assignment, including Kyle, Jesse, everybody listening, everybody uh, who who is uh, in the chatty house on YouTube or, or Twitch or uh, if you're listening on ESPN 1320 or the Odyssey app, everybody's got an assignment right now. You're going to go to Twitter real quick. You're gonna hit at IMK Diddy and just send a bunch of hearts. That's it. Might sound weird, just do it. That's all we need to know. Go to at IMK. Just send a bunch of hearts. Just send Kenny a bunch of hearts. One, I want to remind him of the power of the chatty house. That's what we need to do. And the crew over here who's rocking with Dilo and KC. Uh, but just let uh our man's know that we're uh we're missing him here on on, on the show. Uh, From 12 to 4 and, of course, the one at 3 to 7. So just open up Twitter real quick. Yeah, and I promise, KC's just fine. Talked to him an hour ago. He's just fine. Just having some fun with our boy right now. Just send him some hearts on Twitter. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's the assignment. Uh, And hopefully KC will be back with us here uh, as the week progresses. Um, But, you know, when our man's ready, he'll be here for sure. Uh, But I promise you, this this isn't weird. KC's good. He's 100% good. As I said, I talked to him just a little bit ago. Uh, Kings fall last night. I watched that game back again this morning. I don't have a, like, I, it's kind of, we, <laughs> we kind of felt like we kind of laid the groundwork for this one yesterday where it was like,
1: oh, I
4: really don't love this game for the Kings. Uh, I don't love this game for a variety of different reasons. It's the end of a road trip. Cleveland is white hot, and more importantly, even more more than all of that, it was I. Cleveland's a good basketball team. Cleveland's a really, really good basketball team. They're a really good basketball team right now. They were a really good basketball team last year, right? But the Kings have beat them three straight times, and that always leads. Oh, when you beat a really good team, just and, and look, remember one of them last year was that 18 0 run at the end of the game. Uh, the other one, no one really quite knew what Sacramento was. So that win against Cleveland was pretty big. Uh, and the fact that they got him again, they held Donovan Mitchell uh, to, I think, 22 points that first time around. They made him work uh, to get that 22. Last night, it felt like Donovan got 29 easy. Just chilling. Give me 29. It ain't nothing. At a four-point play, I think it was in the first or second quarter. Like he was, he was ready. And as good as Keegan was against him uh, earlier this season, that there was nothing they could do with Donovan in this run. And that's that's because he's, he's a great ball player. It's an all-star. It's an All NBA guy. That's a potential MVP candidate right there in Donovan Mitchell. But overall, like I really just I didn't hate the way that the Kings played. They had a couple of stretches where. Just some bad basketball, got him in a tough spot, simple as that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you know th- things kind of ran away from them a little bit it- for a stretch there in the fourth quarter and really turned that game into something that I really didn't think it was. Um, and the Kings would get within – there's a play. There's one particular play we're going to talk about. I'm guessing many of you could probably figure out what it is. It's, it, it pissed me off because I feel like it's getting to be too common. It's starting to happen a little too frequently. And in my opinion, I think this play was the turning point in the game. We'll get to that. Uh, shout out to Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes led the team in, in, in scoring, which might be kind of problematic. I mean, it's a great note, but when you lead the team with 22, that's probably a tough look because if you're leading the team in scoring with 22, that means De'Aaron Fox had less than 22. And I think those games are are tough. When you're leading the league is when you're leading the team and scoring and you got thirty-nine, all right. That's a different story. When you're leading the team and scoring and you got thirty-two, all right. That's different. But I think Harrison, I again, I'm not trying to like sugarcoat this, or oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. Look, you want the Kings to win every game. Like, I get that. I do have concerns about their upcoming schedules. Matter of fact, I got some concerns about the game tomorrow. Uh, that we'll talk about as, as, as well. Tomorrow's a weird, tomorrow could be a a weird day and it's oddly quiet in, in the NBA. And you're hearing, you're hearing, um, asking prices and all of these different things for all of these different players. And in the end, I think when you hear that stuff, a lot of that stuff just comes and goes. The biggest trades that are going to be made this season are, are already made, right? Like the, the Pascal Siakam deal is done. There's not going to be a bigger trade than that. The OG and Anobi deal is done. There's not going to be a bigger trade than that. Like those those are the top 2 deals in in the in the league right there. I'm certain and whatever happens over the course of the next, you know, 48 hours or so, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a, a little, it's a little frosting on top for a particular team, whether it's Sacramento or it's the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Bucks, whoever. Hell, every time I open up Hoops Hype, I'm reading about how Detroit's going to do something. All right, hey, salute Detroit, do do you. They got money to spend, so they're probably thinking, well, we've got to spend it. Why not try to build a basketball team here and get something going? All right, good luck with that. But I do have concerns about tomorrow's game uh, that we'll get into. Uh, it feels like the Kings, it, it, again, trying to trying to pull some positives uh, from last night's game. You know, they hung around. They hung around with a, a, a Cleveland team that came out and I think pretty... Played pretty well. The, the start of the game was like frantic. The start of the game was really weird. Like the first four minutes, they were just getting up and down the floor. And that was the clearest indication. In it. And I think, and obviously this is in hindsight, watching that first quarterback again this morning, that was the clearest indication. Oh, we're, <laughs> the, the refs is kicking it today. Refs they ain't worried about nothing. They let it. There was a play with De'Aaron under the basket. It was like the fifth play of the game. It's like that's that's legal today, huh? All right, cool, cool. Then they had one on the other end. There was a, a sequence where it went De'Aaron at the rim, Donovan dunked De'Aaron at the rim, and and then like Max Struess at the basket or something like that. It's like, yo, what the hell is going on? That of course is after Kevin Herter starts the game with like a twenty-eight foot three. It's like, all right. This game is being played at a pace like there's 60 seconds left. Like, hey, chill. And then once the game settled in, I was like, oh, Kings are playing well. Keegan's hit a couple of shots. HB, and then they hit their first lull. It's like, all right. Cleveland's defense stepped up. We're getting back up and down the floor. It never really got out of hand. There was a point in the 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 third quarter where I thought, hey, the 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 Kings are right there within striking distance. I think it was a ten point game. They got a turnover. Weren't able to, to, to cut the lead there. And then and I think the lead ballooned from 10. I think it was to like 14 or 15 right after that. And that was after a missed opportunity to cut the lead to seven or eight. That's where I started to feel like a certain way. That wasn't the play that upset me, though. We're going to talk about that. I promise we'll get to it in just a minute. But the final game and you hear, I, I believe this is all. This is all just NBA stuff like NBA talking points. Oh, that last game of a of a long road trip can be difficult. All right, cool cuz y'all always tell us the first game back from a road trip is difficult. Why don't y'all just end that nonsense and say the basketball schedule is difficult? And I think there is something to you know cuz you can even you can you can make excuses for games in the middle of a road trip. Right? You can make an excuse for the the, the Miami game. Miami desperate to you know, to end a seven-game losing streak. Meanwhile, Sacramento's went in a couple of games and they're right smack dab in the middle of a seven-game road trip. They're just bouncing from city to city to city, hotel to hotel, ho- hotel. Urgency is different. Vibes are different. The feel of the game is different. But by the time you add up all of these different games, yo, it's like, that's, that's like 80 of the 82 games that we have some sort of built-in excuse for for how difficult it is, how hard it is to focus. And I guarantee you, the Kings come out slow. If the Kings come out slow tomorrow night, that's what you're going to hear. Oh, that first came back from a road trip. It's like they have. It's like they have like talking points in front of them. Where are we? It's the last game of a road trip. All right, let's make sure we let's make sure we check that box. It's the first game back from a long road trip at home. Well, let's make sure we check that box. The one I'm worried more about tomorrow. It has nothing to do with a road trip or being at home or any of that. It's the game before the trade deadline. And what happens between now and then? could tell part of a story. If nothing happens between now and then, that could tell a different part of the story. Kings make a deal, they're shorthanded tomorrow. Because whatever deal that they make, it isn't going to be done quick enough for whoever they acquire to get here. The Kings don't make a deal, but there's rumblings out there. Yo, that that could affect the way the team's playing. Now, to their credit, if there have been rumblings out there about trades in this team. It doesn't seem to have affected anybody. Kevin Herter, for the most part, has been playing really well as of late. Obviously, Harrison Barnes been playing at an entirely different level as of late. Davion Mitchell's been getting, been getting pretty consistent run, maybe not, necess- not necessarily as much last night as he has been recently, but he's been getting consistent second unit run. I think, I think Davion's been fine. And those the guy those are the guys who have been whether realistic or otherwise attached to different trade conversations. So maybe that maybe that's has been unwarranted. Maybe that fear, maybe that thought that's has been unwarranted headed into tomorrow, to tomorrow but I still believe for those guys it's got to be tough. They got they they know at any point over the next 48 hours that phone could ring like hey, you're moving to Detroit, hey, you're moving to Toronto. Hey, you're moving to L.A. You, you're moving anywhere. You're leaving Sacramento. That's tough. That's tough, and I do feel for these guys a little bit. All of them, NBA players in general. I sympathize for them in this moment. That's tough. But there's a game to be played, right? They've got one to play tomorrow. Now, don't look past Detroit yet. I know the rest of the schedule is tough with Denver and, 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 and Oklahoma City and Phoenix and all of that all leading into the trade deadline. I got that. I got that. Don't look past Detroit tomorrow, though. So we'll talk more about that. Uh, We will talk more uh, about the game and then the play. I've already seen it here in the chat. I think it frustrated a lot of you as well. Uh, The play last night that frustrated the hell out of me that I think the Sacramento Kings desperately, desperately, desperately need to fix... And why I think it was the turning point in the game. So we've got all that coming up. Trista Crick live from Las Vegas, I think, at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Jason Jones will join us, the final hour of the show with Ceele and KC, brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
4: Not the follow-up I wanted from Cody Rhodes last night on Raw.
3: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of nothing.
4: Well, it it, it 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 did a couple of things. the 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 crowd spoke for him a couple of times with the "We want Cody" stuff, and then the uh, the Rocky sucks chant. Like, so the you know the 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 crowd was behind him. Did you hear
3: Michael Cole say? Wait, is it nineteen ninety six again? So I'm Michael, glad they're leaning into that stuff now.
4: Michael Cole said a couple of things. He 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 said that the nineteen ninety six thing. He also said that that Rock and Roman is an official, and that. Cody hasn't chosen his opponent yet. He went through this whole, you know, moment with Seth Rollins. And then of course you had the moment at the end of the show with Drew McIntyre, where he again, didn't, didn't name his opponent. So there's no show before the press conference. And for some reason, the press conference for WrestleMania, Adelphia is Thursday in Las Vegas. I guess they're capitalizing on all of the media being in Las Vegas, which is a brilliant idea, um but i don't know what they're going to have figured out between now and then
3: like what do you what do you even do for the pre- like i
4: don't know i don't know what they're doing i have no idea but we're 60 something days before wrestlemania i'm i'm just here for the story they better fix tell it, me the story that's a, that's all i want to see tell me uh i'm sure we'll talk much more uh, I don't want to say much more. We'll talk more WWE for sure when uh our man uh, Jason Jones joins us uh later on in the show. No one's going to be surprised by this. I said there was a play uh earlier for I said there was a play earlier that really really frustrated me. And I already saw it pop up in the chat a few times, so I'm guessing it frustrated some of you as well, and I feel like it's indicative of something the Kings have done a lot this season. Um Unlike plays in the past, I feel like this one was a turning point for the Kings last night in the game. And that was that was the Max Stru steal. That was the DeMontis Sabonis rebound under the basket. Max Strews stripped it away. Domas immediately turns to argue with the official. Ball in play. Strews going to the three-point line. I guess I understand why, why, why Domas doesn't follow him out. I mean, I feel like he could have sold it a little bit and tried to split the difference. But instead, he just turns to the official and starts complaining. And Struz hits the three, and it's like, all right, that was the end of the game to me. That was, that was the end of the game. I don't even think Domas was fouled on that play, to be honest with you. And that's where Domas is really starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Because he does <sighs> – this is tough, man, because that's, that's, that's our guy. And we know how physical he is, and we know how lopsided uh, officiating can be in this league, and we know how lopsided it can be against Sacramento. But I don't think Domas was fouled on that play. So when I see a play like that, clearly Domas feels otherwise, or it's just a mechanism when you get stripped to complain about it, to sell it so it doesn't look so bad. But this complaining, like, this, like he complains a lot. I feel like the Sacramento Kings complain a lot, but I feel like Domas complains too much. And he's got to reel that in. Whether Mike reels him in, whether De'Aaron reels him in, whether he reels himself in. Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning how often he gets hit. I'm not questioning that there are a million missed calls against DeMontis Sabonis. game. not questioning any of that. My frustration is that probably wasn't the moment to complain. And then it felt like you quit on the play. You let Max Struz have that three, and the Kings never recovered from that. Any momentum that they had at that point, they lost. And that drove me nuts. And the Kings, I feel like, have been arguing with the officials too much this year. Sometimes it's justified. Sometimes you have to speak up, particularly Domas for sure. But these are the type of plays that make me feel like if officials go back and watch this stuff or if, if, if officials are aware of how Domas acts during a game, they don't take that response to heart. Oh, man, he just he's just embarrassed because he got stripped under the basket by Max Schroes. Max Struess turned it into a three, so he's going to make it seem like he was fouled. I don't know if officials do that or not, but I know Domas don't get any love from officials. Maybe this is part of the reason why. Now, I get it. I get it. I know, what, I know a lot of you are saying this in your head. Some of you are saying it out loud. You might even be typing it right now. I get it. There are other players in the league who complain all damn day and get rewarded for it. Luka Doncic is one of them. LeBron James is one of them. There are guys who complain. Devin Booker is one of them. There are guys who complain all game long and oftentimes get rewarded for it. Domas isn't going to get rewarded for it for whatever reason. He's not. De'Aaron Fox isn't going to get rewarded for it for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think those two have to be more careful about when they turn to officials and argue. No starter for the Sacramento Kings shot a free throw yesterday. And I think let me let me let me let me pull up the first half numbers real quick because I feel like there was one free throw in the first half. That seems ridiculous. there was Trey Lyle shot one free throw in the first half. That was it. They wound up finishing at seven for twelve, so it leveled out a little bit. I think the yeah the 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 Cavaliers finished at seventeen and again, you could go back and watch the beginning of this game and see. Yeah, the officials—they, this, they're—they're they're chilling. You, you could, you, you could see it right out the gate. The officials are letting things go. That play at the top of the key where uh, De'Aaron ran into—I think it was Evan Mobley—when the Kings had possession and he and he came up, kind of like, kind of uh, grabbing that shoulder. He's been he's been favoring as of late. No foul call on that play. No foul call. One of those games. So we've had, we've had a game on this road trip, two games on this road trip, where De'Aaron was the only Sacramento King to shoot free throws. And on the same road trip, we had a game. where not one of the starters who played 30, 29, 34, 31, and 35 minutes respectively. Shot a free throw. Now, there are some games where that's indicative of how Sacramento was playing. Right? Three-point shooting, transition, uh, one-pass possessions, one-shot possession, all that different stuff. I got you. I don't know that that was truly indicative of how Sacramento was playing yesterday, though. The Kings as a whole were 17 of 44 for, from three. It's a decent clip. I mean, not as good as what, what Cleveland did. Cleveland was nasty from three point range yesterday. Shot like 50% 56% from three. Nasty. Not a horrible. I mean, 17 threes in a game. Rare, rarely are you looking down at that. But again, no free throws for the starters. Okay. So there's a there's a point, and I don't know where we're at. I don't, I don't know. I don't know when we get there, but there's a point where it's an officiating issue, or it's a Kings issue, and maybe those maybe those two issues are intersecting, where it's an officiating issue and a Sacramento Kings issue. But complaining to the officials has gotten the Sacramento Kings nowhere. We've got a 49-game sample size of the Sacramento Kings being frustrated with officiating and it not getting them very far. And that Domas play yesterday under the basket with Max Struess was infuriating because Domas is the guy. You can't do that. Domas is the one who when something's off, something's going wrong, you see it all game. Talk about vocal leaders. How many times do we see Domas – Hey, HB, coming back in from a timeout, grabbing HB. Coming back in from a timeout, grabbing Keegan Murray. Uh, Headed to the free throw line, talking to De'Aaron Fox, talking to the different guys on the floor. How often do we see Domas directing traffic? How often do we see uh, Domas getting the ball to Kevin Herter? Maybe Kevin Herter didn't take a shot. Domas pulls him aside. Hey, like, you got to get that shot up. We saw that yesterday. Domas, very vocal. And it feels like the team responds to him. You can't do that. You're Domas Sabonis on this team. You can't quit on a play like that. And that's 100% what it looked like to me is that he quit on that play. He was frustrated he got stripped underneath. He turned to the officials, literally turned his back on the play. Yo, that's James Harden Houston Rockets level complaining. You turn your back on the play? No. I expect better from Domas. I expect a lot better from Domas. Can't do that. And I also look at Domas's stat line last night. Another triple double. Kyle texted to me. I'm sure he said it on the on the insiders, but the, the Sacramento Kings are eight and seven in the fifteen games that DeMontis Sabonis has a triple double. Eight and seven. That's lower than their win percentage. Way lower. Twelve 19 and 15. Extraordinary numbers, particularly the 19 and the 15. It's extraordinary. But here's that concern again 12 points. All right. 12 points on nine shots. Hmm. Six of nine. Effective. And this goes back to the Kyle Madsen question of a few weeks ago. This goes back to the conversation about can DeMontis Sabonis be your second best player versus can DeMontis Sabonis be your second scorer? Those two things are not the same thing. And DeMontis Sabonis seems to be against the idea of being more in control of the offense based on what he does. He's in control of the offense based on what he does for other people. But when you've got a six and nine clip now, admittedly, a lot of that stuff isn't, isn't, you know, dribble, dribble, back down, turn, a little flip into the basket, dribble, dribble, back down, you know, dunk, get position or whatever the case may be. A lot of that is offensive rebound, put back, he had four of them last night, transition basket, a uh, little flip shot from the elbow, transition dunk. That's, that's what a lot of that is. But he's capable of creating a shot for himself. Now, I get it. He takes the role of a point guard sometimes where he likes creating shots for other people. But the Aaron scored 19 on 20. That's a tough look. 19 on 20 doesn't work.
3: I don't want to say it's hurting the Kings, but do they need him to be more?
4: Yeah, well, they...
3: Because, like, the way he runs the offense is fine, and it works for the Kings right now and all that, and they got wins, but do you need Domas to maybe, like, just not even maybe, just be more aggressive?
4: But does it? Like, but does it help them win games? Because, again, you got that 12, 19, and 15. Give me that 19, but what if you dropped that 15 to 8 and got more aggressive on the offensive end with what you were doing? Like, if someone's off or if De'Aaron isn't in, you know, the mode he was in against Chicago, and I get it, it's a tough ask, to do, ask him to do that on a night-to-night basis, who's going to be there to pick up that slack? You got nine shots from Keegan Murray. He didn't do it. You had nine shots from Kevin Erter. He didn't do it.
3: And I don't think it's fair to expect those others to um, pick it up, either pick up the slack. And the like
4: truth it. is it's probably not fair to expect Domas to do it because that's not what he does. But my point with Domas versus those other two is I think he can, and he can be in full control of it.
3: Well, yeah, it also comes with the um, territory of being the second best player on your team, though. Like, it might not be Sabonis's game, but the way the roster is built right now and the way the team is built, like, we, they, need, they need him to go out and do that. Might not, like you said, might not be the way his game is, like, catered to or whatever, but he does need – like, they do need that right now.
4: Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with that at all. And that's my – and maybe – and that's and that's the part that's the that's the part Monty McNair has to look at when it comes to upgrading this roster. And I'm not talking about upgrading this roster in the next two days. I'm talking about upgrading this roster moving forward. Because if you're sold on the idea that this is just Domas on this is this is just a bonuses game, then you have to figure out guys, you either have to push Keegan to take another step offensively or find someone, or push Kevin Herter to take another step offensively, or find someone, and this goes back to a conversation we were having with KC last week, is maybe that's where Kevin Herter gets removed from the equation, and you insert a player who can create their own shot. You have to have guys who can do different things, rather than having a group of guys who are all pretty good at the same thing. Yeah,
3: because there's going to be times where you need a plan B where Darren Fox isn't hitting his shots or whatever. Malik Monk isn't necessarily what you need at that night. So like, you can't always just depend on Domas, facilitate, get the ball to Kevin Hurd because we saw it in the playoffs. They're not always going to hit their shots. That's why you need that plan B where it's like, uh, just because these have been the players we've heard all year or whatever, but a Jeremy Grant, go get us a bucket real quick. Offense is kind of sputtering. We need you to go and create a shot for us. Like, that's what they need. And
4: Domas is a 20-point, roughly 20-point-per-game point guy.
3: He, he, it, is it fair to say that he, um, for what a number two, not a number two, but what a second score in the league does right now, it's not enough for the Kings? like he, What he's doing is fine and all that, but it's just for what the league is now, it's just not enough. Like, you get what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, I think the number that's not enough is the nine. That's the the, the, the nine attempts. That's the number that's not enough to me. That's where, so if I pull up right now, Domas's stats and take a quick peek at his, yeah, that didn't, that didn't jump up as quickly as I thought. I wanted to see his shooting percentage. So he's shooting, he's shooting about 12 times a game, 12.8. So we can round up, say he's shooting about 13 times a game. It's pretty amazing. The fact that he's shooting 13 times per game and is averaging 19.7 points—that's pre- that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty amazing ratio. It shows his—I mean—is he's a 61% shooter? He's basically a 62% shooter. He's 43% from three when he takes those. What's really bad is the fact that he's shooting 62% from the field and 69% from the free throw line. That's a brutal look that he has to face that he has to fix, but I just I I get caught up sometimes when I recognize he had 15 assists in a game that felt like the Kings were out of late, where if he had in in 12 points, if he had 20, if he had tw- if if the game if the game had been if if somehow the game had still been 136 to 110, but Devonta Sabonis has. 18, 19, or 20 to go along with every other statistic, okay. You just you law, you just you just kind of take that. But I every time Domas has a low-scoring game and the Kings lose like this, I get caught up on the Kyle Madsen question about can DeMontis Sabonis, there's no question DeMontis Sabonis is the second best player on this team, but the question is, can you get further in the playoffs with DeMontis Sabonis being your second leading scorer? And that's I get I get that question lives. Uh, shout out to the morning roll. Shout out to our brother Bonte Hill. That question lives rent free in my head after games like this.
3: Well, yeah, and um, Sky Recycler throws it in right here. It says Kings are equals a lottery team without Sabonis. We're not saying that the Kings need to replace Demontis a bonus or anything like that. But for right now, like like you said, it's just. When the team's not putting up points or whatever, you need your second best player to pick up the slack.
4: Is it like so? So I'm I'm, I'm getting caught up on the chat. What am I? What am I? What am I missing here? Am I trying to trade Demonte Sabonis? I don't think. I, is it? it I, feel, I feel
3: like we've kind of prefaced I, it with like Sabonis is I feel good. Like like for, great. But. I feel
4: like for five years we told De'Aaron Fox we have to. He has to be better. But we tell DeMontis Sabonis after one goddamn game that he needs to be better, and all of a sudden this is completely out of line. We're a lottery team without him. What the hell are you guys talking about? No one's asking him to replace What are you the talking about? Get a well, little, what, do, what do y'all get more think you're listening at? to? Be more aggressive on the offensive end because he's a 60% field goal shooter. That's what we're talking about. You shoot at a clip of 60%, shoot at a higher rate than nine field goals a game or even potentially 13. What are we talking about? A man busts his ass to create other shots for people. He is a brilliant orchestrator of what Mike Brown wants to run on the offensive end. Brilliant. But when push comes to shove, again, I'm still putting the the, the whole the whole start of this conversation was DeMontis Sabonis complaining about officials. And yeah, I'm going to challenge DeMontis Sabonis to be better. If y'all want to kiss his ass and say he's the greatest thing Sacramento's ever said, hey, do you. But y'all demanded that De'Aaron Fox be better every year since he started in this league. And y'all are just content with, no, Domas got a triple-double last night. It's fine. Y'all had no problem looking down at triple-doubles when Russell Westbrook was getting them. But now all of a sudden, oh, the Kings lose by 20, but Domas had a triple-double. It's not his fault. No, he needs to be better. He needs to not give up on plays when the ball is taken from him under the basket. He needs to close out or do whatever you're supposed to do in that situation as an all-NBA basketball player. Scout Recycler talking about Fox and Sabonis playing at an all-star level. The other guys stink. I'm sorry, sir. When would Fox and Sabonis name to the all-star team? They weren't. And part of the reason they weren't is because of games like this. Because Domas can put up these numbers, they lose. I just looked up at the TV. They talked about the Kings and the Cavs. Do you think they talked about Devonta Sabonis' 12, 19, and 15? No, they didn't. They talked about what Donovan Mitchell did and the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing. How y'all got the nerve to talk about De'Aaron Fox got to be better, got to be better, but you question me when I'm saying Devonta Sabonis has got to be better? Y'all are content? Y'all are content with this? Y'all talk about trading, going to get this player, going to get that player. But I challenge DeMontis Sabonis to be better, and that's a bad look? Okay. Okay. I got you. Well, let's ride out these triple-doubles again, 8-7 and when he gets a triple-double. Let's find out the number that the – Will Z, you out there? I don't know if Will Z's got meetings today. What's the number when DeMontis Sabonis scores 20-plus? What's that number? Hell, he's a 19 – what is it, 19.7? Hell, if he's eight and seven, that only a, if the Kings are eight and seven when Demontre Sabonis has uh, a triple double. There's only thirteen losses left. What's that? A twenty-eight and seven? That's twenty-one and thirteen when he doesn't. Hey, but if y'all are content with this, hey, do you? Y'all put these trades out there, these 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 absolutely outrageous plays trades. I'm just telling one one player to be better. Oh, how dare I? This is a lottery team without him. Yeah, no kidding. I lived through that. Y'all is, out there funny, man. This
3: is like we said the roster right now calls, the roster I think needs him to take more shots. Like the way he plays is nothing like he's not a bad player. You
4: know man. what? If you don't want to take more somebody has to.
3: Well, yeah, it's the thing too. Somebody does.
4: Somebody has to. If it's not going to be Domas, it needs to be Herter. If it's not going to be Herter, it needs to be Keegan. Hell, some light bulb just went off with Harrison Barnes to where he's taking 15 shots per game. Now look at what he, now look at what that's doing. We're up to eight games now. We had the numbers on HB yesterday. It was seven games. It was it was about 14 or 15 shot attempts per game and 20 points per game. Boom. 15 shots per game. He's at uh, eight threes per game. He shot 10 last night. 22 points. He's he's, he's, he's as consistent of a basketball player as we've seen over the last eight games. He just hit all his averages in last night's game. We demanded HB be better. But it's out of line to ask Domas to do something different. Manny, what's up, man?
1: It's funny because I said the same thing in spaces yesterday. I was like, look, this isn't a game that I'm like, going to go up in arms about it's the end of a road it's a road trip i get it but it's a pattern also of like look dude he put up a triple double great but he can't have 12 points he can't only have nine shots he has to see that when that when the cleveland's of the world like they're getting up by 12 by 14 it's him and fox that have to put an end to it It, i get it you're running the offense but sometimes you see other great teams so you say the hell with this offense right now we're about to spiral. I'm going to take control of this game. I'm going to dominate down low. I'm going to do what I have to do. And it can't just be the passes. I I get it. But that wasn't working at that point. Cleveland was running you all out the gym. And at that point, it's up to your two superstars, the two guys we clamor about, the two guys that were up in arms about not being on the all-star team to pull all-star moves in that moment. Do they need to do that every game? No. But in those type of games, that's what you're there for. And whether that – ends up being Keegan at some point that elevates his game to be the second best player that's right now that's not the case so you need to see what's going on on the floor and take control of that situation before it gets out of hand like it did
4: appreciate you Manny as always and I'll say this about Domas Domas I think has one of the highest basketball IQs in the league he's got some of the best court vision I think of any player regardless of position in the entire league When he's racking up 15 assists or he's only shooting nine times, I think nine and a half times out of ten, he's making the right basketball play. I also think there's occasions where he could be more aggressive, but there also has to be a realization of perhaps last night we used the way that Cleveland's playing him. Guys in that starting lineup have to be aggressive on the offensive end instead of letting it always sit on on, on Foxy's shoulders, and that's the great thing about the way Harrison Barnes is playing right now. We've been begging for HB – to be more aggressive, and that's what he was able to do. But remember, this all started with the line about Domas can't do what he did with Max Struess under the basket. He's got to be more aware. He's got to close out. He can't give up on plays, especially when you're the vocal leader of this team. When you're the leader out there on the floor, when you're the guy dictating everything, you can't do that. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Get in on the phone lines. You think I'm full of crap? No problem. Tell me about it. KC isn't here to tell me I'm full of crap, so you tell me. 916-909-1320. with KC. Brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Jesse said the uh, Sacramento Kings are giving up nearly three percent from three-point
3: range. 39.5%. That's 29th. Charlotte is 39.6%. So... Mm. They're pretty much just the worst.
4: It's a tough league. Who's around them? So Charlotte, Sacramento, who else is at the bottom?
3: Atlanta's in there at 20, Lose it, Losing team. San Antonio, Utah. Losing team. Detroit. L-
4: losing team, losing team. Memphis. Losing. Losing. Toronto, Washington. None of these teams are in the playoffs. Toronto. Not what you didn't name one single playoff team.
3: We get to the Lakers. I don't know if you're into the play-in type of stuff, but Lakers are there at 20.
4: Well, I think Utah's in the play No, when's the first freaking playoff team?
3: Indiana at 19.
4: Well, they pff- well, that's not, that is not good company to be in. The way Atlanta, are we, are we hold on, let's double check and make sure Atlanta's still there because they're, they're, they're kind of bouncing back and forth. Yeah, they're a six spot. Salute, good for them. They're a six spot right now. They got a half game on Orlando.
3: Phoenix is at 17th.
4: They're 36.8%. Whew. All right. What was that number? You said 36? For Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, 36. Okay. Uh, who'd you say we got? We got Ian, 916 1320
5: Ian, what's up, my man? Hi, yes. I was the person who had posted that stat in the chat about the Kings being eight and seven with some bonus recording a triple double. I looked further at those uh, wins and losses, and something that really jumped out at me was looking at Fox's shooting numbers in those losses. You know, I don't think it's that surprising that your your top scorer uh, shoots poorly in the losses. Um, you know, Pacers game, Fox's eight of twenty. Heat game, Fox's four of sixteen. Cavs last night, eight of twenty again. These aren't great shooting numbers. So, you know, the question, well, two questions. One, if Fox isn't hitting, if Sabonis isn't scoring, then who's scoring inside? And mm-hmm. second, are Sabonis' triple-doubles the product of defenses making a strategic decision? Just let the Kings be this jump-shooting team with Sabonis facilitating on the perimeter. And if he gets these assists, so be it. You know, that's sort of like the cheese and the mouse trap.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, it's a fair question, Ian, but here's... I I, I like the idea to to, to answer a a couple of things that you said there, Ian, and we, we, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call. And thanks for the, uh, uh, the little bit of research you did there. Um, if Domas isn't scoring on the inside, who is probably Darren and Malik on dribble penetrations. And that's, that's probably it. Uh, and two, is it a strategic decision defensively? I think the Sacram- I think that's what the Sacramento Kings are, regardless of what defenses want to do. I think they're a jump shooting. Ba- I, th- I think this is what they are. They're a jump shooting basketball team. You hear Mike talk all the time about sprays. Like Mike's thing is though, and the Kings have been very, very consistent with this all year and last year. That it's not move the ball around the perimeter, find an open look for three. It's dribble penetration, right? It's get to the basket. It's 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 try to force the defense to collapse and then spray out. It's trying to force the defense to collapse, find an open man outside, which Domas is incredible at. De'Aaron is incredible at it. Malik is incredible at it. That's why we've seen playmaker assist uh, uh, play, playmaker Malik go back up. His assist go back up because of what he's able to do when he attacks the basket. But I think that's who the Kings are. Less of a strategic decision, and sometimes. Um, what you could see from a team is they'll make a decision that focuses on a singular player, and nine and a half times out of ten, that singular player is De'Aaron. We're not letting De'Aaron collapse our defense in the in in, in, in inward and allowed guy, allows guy, uh, guys to be open. We're not going to do that. You see that sometimes. But I think that the strategic decision isn't made by defenses. I think it's made by Sacramento. Kevin Herter, three-point shooter. HB, now that he's back to being aggressive, he's a three-point shooter. De'Aaron can do everything. Keegan set the rookie record for threes last year. That's what they do. Domas is the only one who doesn't regularly shoot threes, though he can as we outlined earlier. He's shorting, shooting shooting you know forty three percent from 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 three. But unlike those names I just mentioned, the Herders, and, and 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 Barnes, they're not averaging at least Barnes as of late eight threes. He's not averaging excuse me eight threes a game. And that's the that's the 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 the, the difficulty of the makeup of this team. Three point shooters, dope because if they get hot. You get a couple of them hot. You don't even need all of them. You get a couple of them hot. You're in a good spot. You don't, who switches it up? De'Aaron can. Obviously, obviously De'Aaron is incredible at it. We we saw it at various points yesterday, particularly at the start of the game. I felt like De'Aaron was really, really aggressive trying to get to the basket at the start of the game yesterday. Malik. Malik's really aggressive and attacking the basket. But you you look to that bench and go, okay, well, who else? Trey's a great shooter. And that's what you want Trey to do, right? You want Trey to be out there for when Malik attacks the basket. You got Trey Lyles out there in addition to whoever might be out there from the starting lineup. One player who I hoped would be better in this regard, and we just have not seen him get into any sort of flow offensively at all this entire season is Davion Mitchell. That's where I thought Davion would be at his most dangerous. I thought Davion would be at his most dangerous doing what Malik does. Just Malik does it better. Attacks the basket, finishes at the rim or attacks the basket, finds an open teammate. That's what I was hoping to see more from Davion, but maybe you just need one more guy to attack the basket. Maybe you need – nah, let's, let's, let's rephrase that. Maybe you need one more guy who can create their own shot.
3: Because if you look at the stats, too, I just pulled up Foxes. If he shoots less than 45%, um, this season they're 5-10. and 10. Mm. So it's basically if he has a bad shooting night, you're more than likely not winning that game. So is it just a matter of Monty McNair just needs to
4: f- fix it for them? Or it's Keegan. Right, Because those were things that we saw from Keegan earlier this year where it was the big focal point of the summer, and I think it was a, a a focal point that we saw to start the season is there were plenty of games where we'd come back in here and talk about, yo, Keegan created like six of his shots last night. Keegan's creating shots off the dribble. Keegan's creating shots on his own. You know, Keegan's able to have a a a one pass possession where he controls the he controls everything the offense is doing. It doesn't happen a lot. Maybe that's by design. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's, you know, another one of those high IQ players who's always looking for 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 a different position, but or a different play. But that's that's why I look. Maybe 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 in fifteen different categories, Keegan is the 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 game changer for Sacramento.
3: See, I, I'm along the lines of that thinking too, but it's just. I, he's a second-year player right now, you know? I got can, you, yeah,
4: and, and and that's, and that's why— like you want him
3: to be that, but I don't know if I can expect— Like I'm not going to expect him to be that right now, if that makes no,
4: sense. No, perfectly fair, but I want him to grow into that because him growing into that changes the idea of we have to go acquire somebody to do it. If you really, really believe that Keegan Murray can do that as a basketball player, this team's in great shape. If you have doubts about it, though— that's where you don't want this team to be one so dim- once s- You don't want this team to be so one dimensional.
3: Do you think they need to like come out of games where it's like, all right, Keegan needs to take a certain amount of shots because now we're seeing Barnes and <clears> him, <throat> Barnes and Harder get theirs up, and I think Keegan the last few games his shot attempts have been low.
4: Just find the flow. Just find the flow of the game. Like I don't think there has to go out there with this edict of this player has to do this tonight. This player has to do this tonight. Like, look at, look at, I mean, Barnes is the perfect example because we asked for change from Harrison Barnes and we got it. Like, he's been aggressive. That has not wavered. Shooting, I don't think he's had a game where he shot really poorly, but he's had games where he shot great. And then he's had games where he shot like, okay. But he's remained aggressive in all of those. That's what you want. You want Harrison Barnes to remain aggressive because when he is, you see what it could do. I feel like the same should be true for Keegan, too.
3: Yeah, just for me, it's like
4: Keegan. Because the shots for Herter are always going to be there because of the way this team plays. Because of, the way, because of what Domas is great at, the shots will always be there for Herter. If Keegan can get a little bit more aggressive, maybe that's where the shots come from rather than coming from DeMontis Sabonis.
3: Yeah, I think at that point, it's just a matter of us waiting for him to grow into like, being more of an NBA player, you know? Like and, being aggressive, like you said, taking those shots and all that.
4: And that's the difficulty in it's
3: kind of it's kind of like a timeline for the Kings. Right. It's like with Keegan's like you're waiting for that, but how long is that gonna take?
4: It's kinda like you had to exercise patience as a Kings fan, a frustrating level of patience to get to the point that we got to last year, where the team is clearly good um, and they're making strides in the right direction, right? And now it's like, all right, well, there's another level to this. And it's always difficult to tell Kings fans to be patient because of what they endured for a decade and a half.
3: They waited 16 years. But
4: now this is different because that's not what we're talking about anymore. We're not talking about patience from not being a disaster of a basketball team or a disaster of a franchise or just making the playoffs. Now we're talking about growing from
2: a playoff team to a true title contender.